This is chair, place where we discuss innovations. Today I have a great pleasure to talk with Zoya Kukic on challenging subject of the ethics of innovation. So Zoya is entrepreneur, uh, activist, researcher, working with startup and enterprises with focus on digital transformation and evolutionary growth. Um, she actively worked in tech and startup ecosystem for almost a decade, right? <laughs> a co-founded started European uh, regional network organization helping high-tech startups um, companies to grow. And besides co-founding started, uh, she's today vice president of uh, digital transformation in Signet. So, Zoya, welcome to chair. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, who gets the control on innovation? Innovation is a central question of our time. Should society-led uh, technological proofness of scientific brilliance determine who makes decisions that may affect uh, all human humanity in profound ways? So, many questions arise today that we cannot get simple or straight answer. So, I want to go back to the basics. Uh, at the first glance, innovation appears to be ethically indifferent, and uh, its moral evaluation seems solely related to its use. Can you say to me why this is not true? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think that anything is ethically indifferent, so in that sense, uh, neither is innovation. And we can look at it when, when we talk about ethical innovations, there are several segments, but how we can look at it and uh, is what how many different ways we can use this new innovative technology or solution or um, whatever we are talking about how we, how we can use it in an unethical way so for example first of all let's say we have one first year that would be innovations which are created with ethics in mind trying to solve some current um, ethical inequalities or ethical problems or uh, trying to do something good for the world. So that's some, So they, they have that perspective, that's how they, they, they were founded. And then you have a way larger number of innovations which were created under to solve some specific problem or to, pro to provide an alternative solution for something without strictly focusing on ethics. And that's where we have different layers on where the things can go. So for example, if we talk about CRISPR, the genome editing technology, it can be used for so much good, but it can also be used for yeah. a, a lot of bad things. And Cure hereditary diseases on one exactly, side and the, exactly. on the other manufacture synthetic genomes. And right? then also create, for example, deeper societal inequalities. If it becomes too expensive, then the rich people get healthier, get uh, edited to be healthier, and the poor don't. So there is a lot of questions which we still, for example, need to answer. And, uh, okay, CRISPR, maybe that's um, something uh, very uh, visible to everyone, that it, it creates uh, uh, a lot of ethical questions, but when we look deeper, a lot of uh, almost every innovation in the end does. So let's talk about social media. When they started, we didn't think about their role, which they have today, which is uh, freedom of speech, uh, data privacy, and so many other layers, which are the questions, ethical questions, which people who are working in these companies and the society and the regulators need to be answering all the time. As you said already, the, the innovation can contribute to creation of or destruction of jobs and the fight against crime or you know, invasion of privacy. 
because of all of that mentioned, uh, responsible innovation is crucial, but it's not easy. How to, how to make it less hard? Um, well, there are different, first of all, there are different techniques in which people can always think about ethics in the things that uh, they are doing. But uh, there is one, I would say, um, one solution. There, there is no one solution for everyone that, that fixes every company, uh, every organization. But there is one thing that is very important and proved to be uh, successful in thinking uh, ethically and building ethical businesses and organizations. And that's uh, thinking about it from the start. It doesn't mean that when you are starting your business uh, that you are now looking at all the implications, ethical implications in, it can create. So we are not talking about that Mark Zuckerberg should have come up to this situation when he started Facebook and then start solving the problem which he doesn't even have. But uh, embedding the core values in the organization that uh, what is ethical for the organization and that it's ethically driven. So for example, I always like to say uh, uh, maybe one of the most famous examples is Google and they for quite a long time, one of their uh, corporate mottos was don't be evil. And when you talk about uh, that and when you think in that way, then whenever that question comes up, you then uh, think from the perspective which is not only profit-driven, but also you include some other segments in what you are doing. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a bit about regulation. So since innovation outstrips government ability to, to regulate preventively, uh, establishment of ethical priorities rest of on innovators, right? Uh, you have worked on uh, with many founders that are innovators in your years in, in started. And what is your impression? How they cope with the ethics of innovation? Well, I feel like always my answer is it varies, <laughs> but it really does. And uh, there well, are this is challenging subject today. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. it's a challenging subject, and I feel like even in today's world, there is all, not even a single topic which has one uh, straightforward answer. Uh, but this this definitely doesn't. So if we have if we if we talk about the innovators who are really thinking about solving ethical pro problems and are building products, for example, solving the plastics issue that the whole world has, and are trying to create different solutions for that, they are already uh, more entrenched and think more about ethical perspectives of what they are building than maybe somebody who is just building a platform for some niche in business. And it's not something that comes uh, across as a priority. And to be honest, uh, as someone, as you said, who has worked with entrepreneurs, I don't think it's even the right way. Because uh, as we mentioned Mark Zuckerberg previously, if he started thinking about all those implications, he would have never built what he did. So uh, in entrepreneurship, and I'm sure you know that uh, yourself as well, you need to focus sometimes and you need to solve the hardest problems first. And the hardest problem is basically getting your product uh, to the market, solving this product market fit. But then it's really important that once you do that, once you get customers, once you uh, get uh, the traction, that at that point you don't, don't get evil. <laughs> and think of what are some other implications, how you can tweak the system in order to do more good than bad. 
uh, are there is there any framework to establish ethical guardrails in startups? I wouldn't connect it only with startups uh, because there are uh, different ways how companies and organizations ha- can uh, basically structure their ethical um, behavior. And on one one hand, there is um, a framework which is used in many different NGOs. NGO sector is basically leading uh, in that segment and every business can actually borrow it. And there are different sources. We can even link some of them in the end uh, in, in the links of the show notes if you want. But basically, they come down to asking yourself different questions uh, related to the business that you're doing and the product you're building and trying to basically through those questions answer where your product are product is but then in the end there is also something which is in the theory of ethics Uh, there are three different ways how you can um, assess your organization or even yourself personally or the actions you do and one of them uh, is framework based on consequences so basically we um, try to imagine the future and see our different actions and see what are the consequences of those actions and then try to uh, choose a path which is uh, most ethical from the alternatives that we saw in this uh, imagining of the future. The second one is based on duties. So we can choose and see what we should be doing and what we should not be doing based on what is our role, what are we doing, where, where are we good at, what, do we, what we understand and what we don't. And the f- third one, uh, it's, I think it's most relatable to, um, to most of us because it's basically something that we can do for ourselves as well. And it's based on virtues. And uh, it means that we define as a person, for example, we define a set of virtues which we think, okay, this makes a good person. This is a virtuous person, or as a company, this is a company with good values, a virtuous company or organization. And then we try, whenever we have a decision to make, we stop and we say, okay, what would a virtuous person or a company with good values do? And then try to systemize our ethical behavior around that. And uh, it's not that simple. It sounds simple. Uh, the thing sounds with, very interesting, actually. <laughs> but the thing with ethics is that we often um, get, have a lot of questions and need to dig deeper to understand them. Because sometimes um, we are trying to do good for some some group of people and then end up doing bad for some other. And when we are on the topic of innovation, if you allow me, there is one interesting example. I often use, but uh, there was a research that uh, compared uh, innovation created in the cities and uh, basically ranking of cities based on innovation and inequalities in those cities. What it showed is the more innovative the city and their people are, the more unequal they are. And then when you dig deeper, why is that? Like, so if you're a, city, a mayor of some city or administration, city administration, you think, oh, it's good to have to be Boston and to have uh, MIT and Harvard and all those people innovating and great companies. But then what, what, what happens is that those, that better innovations are built when people are near each other. So when innovators um, 
uh, can share it better. And then what happens once uh, uh, with that is that they are t clustering in some smaller groups while the others are moving away. They earn more money, so it's uh, clustering of rich people. The mm. poor have to move. Uh, they are not anymore close to good education. They are not anymore that close to new ideas. So, so basically what happens is you divide the city. Yeah, you make classes, right? Even further. So, that, those are, so those are the things that at some point uh, you understand and then uh, look at the whole thing uh, quite differently. And that's why it's not that easy. It sounds super easy yeah. at first. <laughs> and uh, uh, which cities the, uh, this uh, research was done? So. Well, I think it was only in US cities. Okay. So it might uh, be different for Europe. It's, it's, it's diff uh, Europe is at least European cities are not that flexible as the it's a US different ones. ecosystem exactly. and everything yeah uh, there are they, but but it would be interesting to see what's happening in Europe and maybe in, a, in some other countries as well we, we talked earlier about uh, Facebook and Zuckerberg and everything and um, I would like to go back a couple of years and ask question about uh, a whole situation about Cambridge Analytica and uh, because this is example of total collision of innovation and ethics, right? So can you comment me on that? I think it's, um, it's such a complicated issue because first of all, uh, how I see it is when it started, people didn't even understand the power of data. And when I say people, not even Facebook, I think, uh, realized uh, the importance uh, of what, what happened and what they let uh, happen with, with their uh, the data they were managing, basically, I wouldn't say that that their data. Then how uh, Cambridge Analytica was involved in so many political um, operations around the globe. So not like uh, the biggest um, uh, notice was uh, the US, but it was also Brexit campaign was uh, Cambridge Analytica was instrumental in that and campaigns around the world, political campaigns. And the way they were um, I think the, the way they were operating with our data was really scary. And I think it made us, uh, the whole world realize what can happen if we don't pay attention. And in some sense, um, I'm not, I don't want to say, oh, it's good that it happened. But if it already happened, at least uh, why I'm glad is that we became smarter in how we uh, think about our data, about data privacy and everything that it involves. And right now what's happening with Google, Facebook um, and other big tech companies is a big uh, bad reputation caused to uh, data management that they're doing. And I think that's something that the world uh, realized thanks to Cambridge Analytica. So I, I, I always like to look at the things from, um, positive from a positive perspective <laughs> and where, where can we go from here. So, so uh, in that sense, I think uh, it happened sooner rather than later because it could have gone on for much longer than it actually did. I want to jump back again on the previous question. And uh, you mentioned that innovation don't understand all parts of society equally. Can you elaborate on this a bit more? Because it's very something that is very interesting. So what I was trying to say is, for example, you have different products that are benefiting more 
some segment of society than the other. And uh, for example, I, I will start way back, for example, washing machine. It was an innovation that in some way even you can uh, find great articles how washing machine actually was the beginning of feminism movements and uh, because it released so much more time for women and women were able, instead of washing laundry by hand, they were able to do something more with their time. So, for example, that's one innovation that was directly focused on one group more than the other. Then also, uh, and then you can find different examples of other types of innovation, which are focused around, let's, let's stay in this gender area because I love it. Uh, so, uh, and that this is why we also talk about, um, when we talk about innovation, we often talk uh, uh, about technology innovation, that's something that drives us. And then when we talk about tech innovations, then when we talk about technology in general, we always say that we need more gender equality in technology and we need more women uh, representatives uh, because they are also behind that technology and behind the innovations that are being created. And for example, um, when Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world, uh, released their health app, they, I don't know if you know about it, but for a few months, uh, basically the first version, which was measuring your heartbeat, uh, steps you take, which you can enter, bunch of different details about your health, you weren't able to enter the details about your menstrual cycles, which is one of the most important yeah. health aspects of one half of the population. So those are the things that um, we often uh, miss see uh, and uh, and are extremely relevant for building a better world because of course Apple fixed it but there are different uh, products which are not fixing it or are not uh, suitable for all of us and even uh, when we talk about uh, different segments of population rich and poor there is a lot of things that are benefiting uh, the rich and are not benefiting the poorer segment and they're maybe creating even a stronger divide. Uh, one of the things people often use with this is the peer-to-peer uh, -peer economy or this whole gig economy because what's happening, um, richer people can uh, ride, for example, for less and poorer people have even less uh, social security, health insurance and things like that. And those are the things that um, regulators and society need to pay more attention to in order not to create further divides, basically. You often talk about connection, connection between collaboration and innovation. And apart from obvious uh, uh, that uh, different information and experiences boost creativity and imagina imagination, what else is important to know here? Yes, uh, uh, it's really good, uh, apart from obvious, and it's also interesting how we discussed this collaborative yeah. uh, uh, approach in innovation when we talked about the, the cities. But um, why, when we look uh, and think about ethics in innovation, uh, collaboration is important because it helps everybody win. It helps us build this win-win mindset instead of thinking of win-lose. So basically, one, when we are building something, a product, it's always good to have um, somebody with whom we are working on it. And then uh, our partner, a company we are collaborating with, even our client, if we are looking at it in the sense of collaboration, we all grow at the same time. 
instead of, for example, if we look at people as competition, and then what, what happens is that we are focusing on us winning and somebody else uh, losing. And uh, we at Signet, uh, we really often talk about uh, that the collaboration is the key because this way you can really grow fast. Um, uh, the key to many successful entrepreneurship endeavors, basically. Uh, it helps you grow fast. It helps you overcome some obstacles and some things that you don't know enough. You find somebody who can help you um, uh, in solving those issues. And then again, you are not alone in succeeding because uh, at the top it can be very lonely and it's not an ideal position uh, we should all be. But basically at the top you have some, you, you've lifted others while you climbed. And that's something that we, uh, we find important. That's something that I think a lot of people in personal, in their personal lives uh, do. Like you, you have a company, then you look to, to get your friends on board, you look for co-founders when starting a business. Uh, but then when it comes to collaboration with different business or organizational entities, somehow we forget about all those values. And that's something uh, we, we find very important. With uh, all the things that we discussed today, uh, is there a crisis in innovation today? Well, with all the things we discussed today, <laughs> what do you think, Nelly? <laughs> oh, I hope there is no crisis because I'm in the business of innovation and uh, there, there are always challenges. But uh, I believe that, that we are not in crisis right now. I agree. Uh, I think that uh, ethical questions will always be there. Um, innovations always move faster than ethics. In a, in a sense that what we talked about, that we don't think about it. The fact is that now innovations are moving really fast. But I also think that we as people, uh, as a support system, are also moving and thinking faster and that it's not going to be a crisis because we are going to uh, win. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for your time and, uh, and uh, that you've been with us today here in, in chair. And uh, to you out there, uh, if you like today's episode and you want to hear more about uh, subjects related to innovation, please subscribe and see you next time. Thank you. It was really a pleasure.